Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to Empty Nesting Podcast. I am your host, Glenda Edwards, and today's discussion will be about mental health with my guest, Mandy Medlock, who is currently employed by a private healthcare firm. She was previously the executive director at Nonprofits Justice 360 in NAMI, Mid-Carolina. Mandy is a co-founder of Nonprofit South Carolina Women in Leadership, which strives to engage women in political and policy leadership. She serves on the board of directors of Work in Progress that seeks to find permanent employment for individuals living with mental illness. Mandy is also part of the crisis intervention team for NAMI South Carolina, which speaks to police officers in hope of educating them on how to better interact with persons with mental illness. She's a single mom of two, Christopher and Ella, both who are in their early 20s. So stay tuned and listen to our discussion on mental illness. Hi, Mandy, and welcome to Empty Nesting Podcast. Hello, and thank you for having me. You're welcome. You know, since March, we've all been sheltered in place um, in hopes of curbing COVID-19. And as an empty nester, you know, I've been readjusting to having my daughter back home, but glad that she's back home because, you know, that allows me to know that she's well, that she's adhering to you know, the um, restrictions that is, you know, put in place to help cope, you know, curve COVID. Um, But one of the things that I've been doing that I particularly wouldn't have time to do prior to COVID is spend a lot of time on social media. It's kind of like a guilty pleasure. And what I've been seeing is that a lot of people are talking about mental health issues, you know, them dealing with mental health issues for the very first time. And so I have a two-part question for you. One is, have you seen this since COVID? And, you know, the second part of that is, what are some of the things that you are doing to help people deal with um, mental health issues since this is your field of expertise? Um, I think this is such an important issue because I have absolutely seen an upswing in the struggle with um, mental illness and mental health crises. Um, I work in the mental health industry and, of course, I've been a mental health advocate for um, the last 12 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. And it is a challenging time. We're all isolated in our homes mm-hmm. um, or at least within very small um, pods of, uh, of our own people yeah. um, trying to stay safe mm-hmm. and we're cut off from our uh, formal resources and and so it is a difficult time. Yes. Um, we can't get out to see our doctor, we can't get out to exercise, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of us are cut off from our pharmacies, I mean just the normal ins and outs of life, right? right. So, um, I think We've had to get creative. Um, You know, you and I talked shortly to prepare for um, this talk, and one thing I believe to be true is people that have had um, 
mental illness or mental health issues in our homes are maybe better prepared um, for this crisis mm-hmm. because we've been practicing these behaviors for years. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think we may have been through hard times before, um, but little did we know we, the crises that we were going through before better prepared us for the current crisis, right? So, mm-hmm. um, in my own home, we have been through numerous mental health emergencies and so when this hit honestly I feel like although it wasn't easy um we kind of you know just kind of walked into it and was like okay here we go again Mm -hmm. you know and um we we handled it like a champ um without much panic or Mm -hmm. um anything like that whereas I felt like some of those um or peers of mine, or even just peers in my community, had a real sense of panic. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know what what I've done, or what you know myself and my peers have done, has been to step up and fall back on the resources that we're so used to using. You mm-hmm. know, and begun recommending those wherever and however we can however it's appropriate you know i'm very active on social media and mm-hmm. i um i talk about mental health and mental illness freely mm-hmm. on social media i don't have and i think that's probably how you and i found each other yep. i don't have uh, a stigma about it mm-hmm. i don't have any i'm not ashamed about my family's experience mm-hmm. with mental illness and that is the message that I try to send to those around me, right? Because it's a brain illness. Um, yep. It's a it's a sickness in that part of the body, just like we have in other parts of our body. It, nobody's fault. It just is. And um, so, when I have felt um, particularly compelled, you know, I try mm-hmm. to share resources or or issues about my own struggle. Uh, or my family struggle. And um, so, you know, for instance, there are, there are ways to get your mental health meds that don't involve, you know, having to go into a pharmacy. Maybe mm-hmm. you can get those through the mail. Mm-hmm. Um, there are ways to see therapists or counselors or even psychiatrists that, you know, through telemed, right. for instance. Mm-hmm. There are nonprofits that offer um, classes, um, yeah, group studies, you know, peer support um, now through, you know, uh, Zoom meetings or telehealth mm-hmm. also, so that people can find support in ways, you know, reimagine, um, I guess is the right word, mm-hmm. during this time, um, so that people can continue to recover um, mentally and emotionally, um, during, and especially, um, during this time that of increased stress and, and confusion. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, both of us are, you know, empty nesters and we have kids, um, that will be going to, you know, school soon, um, or deciding to, um, you know, start this, next semester, you know, from, you know, home. 
And, you know, from a, you know, college, you know, person per perspective, because, you know, they, you know, being, you know, living in college, you are always surrounded by your peers. And then, you know, they've been home since March. What are some of the things that would help our youth deal with not being able to be around their, their peers um, and kind of, you know, help with, with some of the um, anxiety that they've been feeling from being what they say cooped up in, in the house for months? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what um, we've done here in, in my home is um, my daughter has uh, a new primary care physician. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the things she has done. Um, she actually had a pretty traumatic accident <laughs> during the time of COVID, non-related to COVID. Mm, okay. And so what it really um, did for her was it, it forced her, <laughs> unlike some 21-year-olds, right? Mm -hmm. It forced her to, to have to stay home. So um, although she doesn't have the personality uh, of one to kind of bust the system anyway, go mm -hmm. out, you know, to bars or things like that. She's not one to have done that. Mm -hmm. um, this was an uh, extra <laughs> assurance that she wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> okay. So it was, um, so this accident, she had a really bad injury to her leg and had to have surgery. So she absolutely had to hold still during this time. Okay. There was no uh, going around and about very much. She just simply couldn't do it because of her injury. Mm. So um, she had uh, a therapist that was very um, insistent and said, you know, this is your time for healing mm -hmm. and kind of planning the next part of your life, you know, making some plans and mapping things out. And um, it has it has not been easy. I mean, just like for everyone, it's been a, it's been a difficult time. Yes, but, indeed. Um, at the same time, I think all of us um, can look at this time as an opportunity to just slow down and get some things accomplished. Right? Yes. I, I was talking to uh, a woman today, much earlier today, and she, she's kind of a mentor to me, and we were talking about just that, just that, about some of the things I'd accomplished mm -hmm. during COVID, and there is no way I would have been able to slow down right. enough mm -hmm. to accomplish some of, I call it dips and monkeys off my back, <laughs> where I was able to uh, realize some of my finances and pay off the bills mm -hmm. and do some things like that. Whereas my job was so taxed and I traveled every week to a different city in the country, I never would have been able to get that focus. Right. right. And I was able to do that because of the stillness of COVID. And so my daughter at age 21, who does not, um, for various reasons, have her future totally mapped out. She has been able to take some time, give herself a break, and kind of regroup. 
Um, You know, she was forced to move home for a while and just kind of resettle, recharge, and not only give herself a body, her her body a break, but Mm -hmm. uh, her mind a break as well. Right. And some some overall time to heal. Yes. And I... I Um, yeah, and so um, it not every day has been that easy, but we're trying to take it all like an overall picture of it's just one snapshot of time, right? Right. It eventually, will be over. Yes. And now is the time we need to get regrouped, resettled, and a change is going to come. Right. And I I think you're right. You know, just being able to regroup because like you said, we've had a lot of time to be at home. And I think for me and my household, we've realized that there are some things that we've done that we really didn't have to do, you know, Uh so just kind of realigning, uh, realigning things and doing things that make sense um, so that, you know, things are effective and efficient and letting us, you know, really look at the bigger picture and looking at things that really matters, you know, and that's, you know, family, friends, um, you know, because we live this life every day, but we only have one life to live. And I think, you know, with COVID, it's taught me to, you know, love the ones that love love you and, you know, always reach out. And, you know, everybody may not always, you know, respond, but at least they know that, you know, that you're thinking of uh, of them. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you are exactly right. so before we go to break, um, want to, you know, just kind of talk about, you know, with your career, because, you know, this is your field of expertise. Um, and we all have our own reasonings of why we go into, you know, our field, um, you know, just for our listeners, you know, just kind of give them a little bit of, you know, why you do what you do, because we all know that it's important and it's, and it's needed. Absolutely. Um, so, I um, married my high school sweetheart. Oh, um, sweet. We were 17 and 18 when we met, and uh, we got married at, uh, let's see, we were 22, 23. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, when he um, was approaching 30, or we were approaching 30, um, he started having symptoms of bipolar illness. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he had had slight um, indications as we were growing older that, that this may be a problem, but mm-hmm. it really became intense um, as we approached 30. And he did not want to stay medicated. It's mm-hmm. a real battle mm-hmm. um, for someone with really intense um, mania. Mm-hmm. Um, to stay medicated because to them that feels good, you know, it feels like they're high. Yeah. And he was in and out of hospitals and on and off his meds for quite a few years. And it got to be to a point where um, our marriage just became impossible. 
living in a in a dangerous way. You know, yes. our children were very young, and it wasn't safe for us to have them in the house anymore. So he um, he left. Um, the children were three and five, and um, we were thirty one and thirty two, and um, that was you know life changing. It was earth shattering and. Yes, I'm um, sure. It, it it was uh, it was as close to a death as, as one can get without actually losing the person mm-hmm. altogether. Um, mm-hmm. He was a different a different man. You know, his brain just changed. Right. And um, he he left. He got divorced, and I really had such horrible grief for about five years. I was barely um the same person quite mm-hmm. honestly and then when I came out of the other side of my grief and was able to start healing um one of the things I did was um realize that in order to help myself I started to help other people mm. and um when I started doing that is when I really uh started to have a life again mm-hmm. and um, I got my first job in the mental health community with NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness mm-hmm. um, and that was in 2010 and uh, we had divorced in 2004 so my life really took a sharp change mm-hmm. um, then and I started to really heal from that trauma, mm-hmm. and which meant, of course, my children did as well. Mm-hmm. And um, life just started getting better. Um, and I really was able to use my own trauma mm-hmm. to help other people. Yes. Um, unfortunately, he passed in 2015 mm. um, from an a overdose. But, you know, the, the sad thing about mental illness is there's not always a happy ending. Right. You know, there can be a happy mm-hmm. ending, but there isn't always a happy ending. Yeah. But for my family, there is um, partly a happy ending because we continue to recover um, as mm-hmm. a family and use that recovery to help us. That is good. And, yeah. you know, with your re- recovery, you can give empathy to people that are currently dealing with that. Because, you know, I think a lot of people can go through things and they can overcome it, but they don't understand why some people waddle in what they're going through and they just can't come out of what they're going through because everybody is just wired differently and what worked for for you may not work for anybody else. So that's good that you've are taking your experience to help others deal with their sick situations. Yeah, yeah. And when I say help others, I mean help people with mental illness, but also help other family members, you know, deal with what's going on in their homes. I mean, however, I can be of service mm-hmm. as I try anyway. That's awesome. Well, Mandy, we're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Thank you. Welcome back, everyone. 
Mandy, before, um, you know, I started gathering questions and information for this podcast, I did um, an outreach to my social media following, just asking, you know, what are some of the things from a mental health perspective that they would like to hear on my next podcast? And one of um, the things that stood out was um, someone wanted to hear about the stigma about mental health within the African-American community. Can you give us some, some insight into that? Yeah, so I am definitely um, familiar with <laughs> that concept. I am a white woman myself, but I have worked in the uh, mental health community here in Columbia, South Carolina, and I am lucky enough to have trusted relationships with um, some wonderful members of the uh, black community here that are very active mm-hmm. um, in the, um, I guess, more uh, active side of the community, right? Mm-hmm. And um, one of the issues we see is when someone becomes ill um, with a mental illness or has a mental health crisis, mm-hmm. uh, one of the first things people say is, well, you just need to go to church. That's true. That is true. um, And while that may be one of the items in the list of things to do, Mm -hmm. that is not the only thing that needs to happen. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So it can't just be prayed away. Mm -hmm. Um, It prayer is definitely part of an answer, Mm -hmm. but it's not the only answer. Right. an organic problem right. that is occurring in the body, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that, like, what you're doing today, having this podcast, speaking freely about the issue, is a tremendous help. Mm-hmm. Because the more that um, bold conversations happen in the Black community, mm-hmm. the more people are going to be willing to step out and do things differently, mm-hmm. right? And so if people can speak honestly, um, then people are going to seek honest answers mm-hmm. and instead of just falling back into the same old way of doing things. Because what we know is that if someone has a serious mental health break, Mm-hmm. Um, going to church is not going to be their only solution. It's right. not going to be the final solution. They're going to need many things to help them. Yes. And so they're going to need medicine. They're mm-hmm. going to need counseling. They may even need hospitalization. Mm-hmm. And they may indeed need their preach and prayer, right? Yep. But it, it's a multifaceted solution. Mm-hmm. I mean, mental health care is a team approach. Mm-hmm. And so if a person chooses to have their preacher on that team, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But he alone is not the only team member. Right. <laughs> it's going to take a whole uh, team, not right. just a one team member. So um, I think that's the biggest message here. And what I've seen over the last decade is a lot of progress. Mm-hmm. Um, on that, I know numerous um, black mental health providers now. And mm. I can't, I couldn't have said that a decade ago, mm. but I know psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, 
um, and it's increasing, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I see board members, um, you know, that are just increasing um, exponentially. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's causing a lot of hope for me. Um, and so I think I do think the page is turning on that, mm -hmm. and I, I'm very encouraged by it. Um, I just hope that people will continue to have those bold conversations and mm -hmm. share their own experiences so that we can continue to see that change. Right. And, you know, I think you are right that, you know, a lot of African-Americans in the past have always, you know, if there was something going on, oh, you just need to go to church and you just need to go get, you know, go pray about it and it'll go away. Um, but I've, you know, noticed within the last decade that you that I've heard more of friends, some re relatives, you know, have talked about, you know, that they've gone to go talk to someone that they, you know, may be on medication um, for different things. And that makes me feel good because people are recognizing that, you know, just like, you know, if I, you know, break, a, you know, a, a bone, I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, have that bone, you know, if it can, you know, heal, you know, in, in a cast, I'm going to get a cast put, put on, I'm going to have, you know, medicine for that. And that's the same thing with mental health is that we got to make sure that, not only that we are taking care of our body from a physical perspective, but also too from a mental perspective. And so I am glad that that you've been working um, with the African-American com community and that you have their trust, you know, here within Col Columbia to kind of help people to know that it is okay that we all, you know, go through different things and nothing is wrong with you getting help because we all at some point in our lives need some type of help when it comes down to mental issues. Absolutely. And, and it could be that it's temporary. Right. You know, a mental illness doesn't have to, to be kind of a lifetime diagnosis. Right. It could, it could be situational. I think coming out of COVID in the next year or two, we could see a lot of the situational um, depression or anxiety mm -hmm. for people. Right. You know, I think there's a lot of grief. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we just lost 170,000 of our sisters and brothers here right. in America, right? There's right. going to be a huge, huge amount of grief mm -hmm. going on in America and a lot of suffering. So right. There's going to be a lot of depression and sadness. Right. But, yep. but we recover from that. It's yes. going to take a while. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't last forever. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So because, you know, mental health is your area of expertise, you know, and because of COVID, there are a lot of families that may need help, but financially they cannot afford help. So do you have any resources for people that need it, but can't afford it that they can, you know, use to get the help? that they need for themselves or for a loved one? Um, I do. And it's not as hard um, as it used to be. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's the good news. Um, so, but you do have to search a little bit. So okay. let me um, just give you some of those resources real quick. Uh, first of all, you can go online and I'm going to give you uh, a couple of those resources 
um, Mental Health America of South Carolina is okay. one resource. And they have a website. You can go to MHA, um, and it's mhanational.org. Okay. They have a great national website with all types of mental health resources on there. Um, and so go to their national website, look around. Um, I highly recommend Mental Health America. Okay. Um, the second one is NAMI. That's the group that I used to be employed by. And their website is NAMI.org. That's N-A-M-I mm-hmm. dot O-R-G. And they are also fantastic. They have resources for individuals with mental illness and also family members. Okay. And caregivers. Uh, they have support groups, um, education classes, and um, a lot of these are moving to um, digital or okay. virtual classes now. And um, the great thing about NAMI is they recognize fairly early on the need to really um, speak to the African-American community. Mm-hmm. So they have some resources specifically for the African-American community. Okay. So, um, that's that's really nice. So I would uh, recommend that. Here in South Carolina, every county has um, a mental health center mm-hmm. with counseling, therapists, psychiatrists. You can call your local mental health facility, and of course, they're not seeing people in um, patient right now, unless it's an extreme emergency. Okay. Um, is my understanding. However, they see clients on a sliding scale. So you, obviously there's some application process involved, mm-hmm. but you have to pay according to your um, ability. Okay. And then I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, resources like Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. If you think you have a problem with alcohol or drugs, um, there are resources online for Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they too have their own website, aa.org. And there's plenty of meetings. AA has started to meet in person again, but they also have virtual meetings. Okay. And you can go to aa.org and find out about those. And AA is always free. You never have to pay anything there. Right. <laughs> So as we close out this um, podcast, I do have one last question for for you. You know, we have a lot of kids that are getting ready to go back to school, whether it's the college or whether it's, you know, grade school. And we have a lot of teachers um, and administration staff that are going to be going back to school as well. And everyone feels a certain type of way about, you know, if they should or if they shouldn't um, go, you know, go back to school or stay home and do virtual learning. Um, So my question to you is because, you know, everyone is dealing with some type of anxiety about when is COVID going to be over? Should I let my kid go back to school? 
you know, and if they go back to school, are they going to be safe? And even for the college students, you know, they want to go back, but they don't want to risk their lives. So what are some, you know, things that they can do to kind of help, you know, their mental um, health, you know, just through, you know, through this whole new ordeal, because this is a new way of life for everyone. So what are some things that everyone can do on a daily basis just to do a mental health check? Right. Right. Well, so I got to, I got to preface it by saying, if you really are having trouble, you've got to make sure to, to check out, um, a mental health professional. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't feel like yourself, right. if you're not eating or sleeping mm-hmm. in a normal pattern, go get help. Mm-hmm. But that being said, if you just are cranky or, you know, you're just a little bit disrupted, you've gained five or lost five pounds, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, I mean, I love to get on my soapbox and tell you all the things to do because I have to do all the things. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am very high maintenance. <laughs> so I've got to get at least eight hours of sleep every night. You mm-hmm. know? And that's not to say I do, <laughs> but that is my goal. Right. Is to, is to attempt eight hours and and more if possible. Um, I go to sleep around the same time okay. and get up around the same time every day. Um, I eat three meals a day and I try to keep them healthy. Mm. I don't drink alcohol or take drugs. Now, some people choose to have cocktails sometimes, but I would say let's try to not overdo it these days because right. I think that would be really easy to fall into yes. as a distraction. Yep. Um, so be careful with that. Exercise every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't do a lot because of my age, <laughs> but I go. I either go for a long walk every day. I think it's important to get outside. Yes. Or I do yoga, and YouTube is an amazing um, yoga studio. Um, because of course we can't really get into our gyms like we like to. Um, I have discovered such wonderful classes on YouTube. Okay. And and I think having some sort of spiritual life is important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're down here in the Bible Belt and, and people have their churches, but that too is disrupted. Yes. You know, but I um but I think some type of whether it's um doing church online or doing meditation or um, some type of spiritual practice is really important. Yes. And then, you know, try to stay in contact with people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I, I have found myself falling into isolation because if my daughter isn't here, um, I have accidentally gone three, four, five days without talking to another human being. Mm. And it wear it it wears on you. Yeah. You know? It does. And that is not healthy. Mm-hmm. So um make an effort <laughs> to talk to other people. Get out of the house, even if you're just like walking around your folded back and you're yelling at your neighbor, mm-hmm. you know, on the porch. Um so they sound like simple things, going for a walk, sleeping eight hours, eating healthy food, staying away from too much alcohol, but mm-hmm. 
these small things add up to like a really healthy, well-rounded, whole person. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So that, that would be, those would be my tidbits of things to do, but I could probably stay up here another hour and talk <laughs> about things to do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would definitely, <laughs> I would definitely have you back so that we can continue on this conversation. Um, but I really do appreciate you sharing, um, you know, your experiences of, you know, mental health and how you're helping in ways that we can, you know, just do a, a, a daily check and giving us things that we can do to kind of help to, to make sure that our mental state is a healthy state. So thank you so much for taking out time to today to do this podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you hearing about the subject and hearing about your community and uh, for having me on. You're welcome. We've come to an end of the Empty Nesting Podcast. I would like to thank my guest, Mandy Murlock, for sharing her experiences with mental health and how the community can stay healthy mentally. Thank you to our listeners. If there is a topic that you would like for me to discuss, please click on the link to send me a message. Please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your family and with your friends. Follow me on Instagram at empty underscore nesting underscore is underscore real. Remember to love yourself and to be kind to others. Thank you. <laughs>